This is the Pink Floyd Fellas, featuring your fellas Pete and PJ, leading you through the journey of the world's most popular progenitors of progressive psychedelic rock, Pink Floyd. All right, welcome and welcome to Pink Floyd. Thank you, um, our man from Fiverr, uh, whatever their name may be. This is your host, Pete. This is your other host, PJ. Hello, PJ. How hey, Pete. are you? I'm good. How are you doing, man? You know what, PJ? I'm doing great. Uh, I've been just hanging around. Do you remember, PJ? Now, let me this start. This old town. Yeah. I was about to say, do you remember when we used to like do bits and, and plan this show in advance? Um, you know, <laughs> it was a long the, time ago, to be fair. I do remember the planning in advance, um, yeah. which now I do precisely one time per season. Um, yeah. <laughs> <so>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just had a moment where I started into that where I've been and then I realized, boy, even just a short, like couple of years ago, that would have been a whole bit I had planned to come in at the start of this podcast. And instead, nope, I'm just here to talk about Pink Floyd, PJ. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's all we do now. Which either means we're losing listeners or gaining listeners, but either way, Mm. it can't be good. It's hard to tell um, because I feel like our number one thing on, uh, you know, our iTunes reviews is like, um, are they trying to be fucking clowns? I just want to hear about the fucking Rolling Stones. You know, real boomer takes. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I... Yeah, I so I have to close out of I have two monitors for everybody there. Yeah, and Peter and I were talking about <laughs> we were talking about motorcycles for literally forty five minutes probably. Um, yeah, yeah. And I had so many tabs and stuff pulled up, and while I was talking to you, I was getting distracted by all of the tabs of motorcycles I had, and I had to I had to exit out of it. I mean that's that's fair, honestly. All right, all right now I'm gonna drop in us talking about motorcycles for forty five minutes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And we're back. Yeah, so PJ, I've been looking at motorcycles on Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so welcome to the show, everybody. This is Pink Floyd Fellas, where we're talking about Pink Floyd. Last episode, we did our favorites so far. Yeah. Uh, if they could be called favorites. They can for me. Maybe not for PJ. The ones I'm the warmest towards, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, so this week, we're getting back into an album. Uh, talking Finally. about metal. I've been waiting for it, Pete. Yeah. I listened to this album a while ago for the first time. Me, you know what? Me too. And you know what I will say is that it actually, I think it's kind of good that I listened to it so many times over such a long period because, uh, because of my opinions on it, which I will get to later in the episode. This and is that's one... what they call a thing that makes people stick around in the business. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. We got to start doing more of those things that make people stick around. Yeah. Um, like being interesting to listen to? Yeah. Like having, <laughs> like having jokes content or bits on our show. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Just a lot of things. Maybe. Something like that. Um, oh, I actually wrote out notes for this album, which I don't usually do. I'll just usually oh, remember nice. them. But I wrote them out a month ago and have since lost them. So. Or well, no, because PJ it was you shouldn't longer say stuff like that ago. right when I take a drink. Yeah, <laughs> that's the closest <laughs> I've been to spitting out some liquid in a while. You're more of a swallower. Eh? Since my last um, job. Yeah. 
Uh, now we're back on track making dumb hey, sex now. jokes. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. 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 Yeah, this show's back to what it used to be. Woo. Um, <laughs> Our old my dad. Glory. Yeah. Glory. Apparently, my old dad's listening to this. <laughs> Thank you for interrupting me. Perfect timing. Yeah. Apparently, my dad's listening to this run, so. Ooh, yikes. I, it's, I haven't had the heart to actually talk to him about it yet, but he texted me a while ago just saying, like, hey, I'm enjoying the Pink Floyd podcast, and I was thinking, I hope you're not listening to all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so your mom listened to uh, the Beach Boys Boys, yes. uh, which she told me yeah. before your wedding, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's heard, I think that's exactly what I said. And I now apologize. I'm going to have to apologize to your father as well. Yeah. I mean, they know who I am. I'm not. I'm no man of God anymore. So, <laughs> do what I want. I ain't no but bone I, doctor or whatever. I I've been trying for weeks to think of what. Bone doctor. <laughs> okay, so a long. I think it was on the Twenty Seven Club. It might have been the Rolling Stone studs. Something came up. We were talking about something, and whatever it was, I said the phrase like, "I ain't no blank doctor," but it was something. I, I don't know what wow. though, and I I've I been thinking know. about it for honestly a few weeks trying to remember what it was, because at the time I remember it made me laugh a lot, hmm. but I have don't. You, I don't. Have you know. checked your notes? Do you take no, notes? No, it of wouldn't. Things that you yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be in my notes though. <laughs> so like, if anyone out there remembers, email us at beachboysboys at gmail dot com. Password capital. Oh god damn it. Nine, and. Uh, I always need to make sure you have a, at least one bleep in every episode. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, and if my dad had his druthers, there'd be a lot of beeps in every episode. <laughs> um, all right, PJ. Well, uh, wholly unrelated to Pink Floyd, because why would yeah. we talk about them on this show? No, it's I too have, early. Yeah. I have a game for you. And fuck I yes. should have, I realized, brought this up before the show just to make sure it would work, but fuck it, we're going to do it anyway. Ooh, I love it. All right, PJ, I'm sending you a photo in the chat. Now, hey, PJ, this is just a motorcycle listing. <laughs> now, PJ, are you familiar with the singer Tom Jones? Yeah, it's not unusual for me to be familiar with Tom Jones. Interesting. Okay. And I, how familiar are you, would you say? Like, you know some of his songs, or do you think you know stuff about Tom Jones? You know, all I got to say to that is, what's new, Pussycat? Okay. So it sounds like you you do know some songs. The two most popular ones, at the very least. Yeah. Okay, um, so I guess I'm just saying this might be a total blind spot for me, but I had a life-changing experience this week related yep. to Tom Jones. So I sent you this photo. Yep. Pull it up. It's of the album cover of Tom Jones' debut album, It's Not Unusual, which also went by other names, I think, in different areas. So, like, it was yeah. called something else, I think, in other countries. So, hmm. anyway. So That's not Tom, Tom Jones, but... It's Tom Jones. That doesn't a, look like Tom Jones. It's Tom Jones. It is Tom Jones. Uh, he has what can only be described as a perm mullet, but 60s. But not nearly <laughs> as curly as it usually is. Yeah, but it's also like very 60s. And yeah. then a, a bright red shirt with mm-hmm. like a weird gaucho collar thing. Happening. The collar's phenomenal on it. Yeah. And then tucked into just blue jeans with a, with a nice brown belt. Real tight blue jeans. Okay. So PJ... How old do you think Tom Jones is in this photo on this on this album cover? Ooh, yes. I'm gonna use other data in that he looks like he's about eighty right now. Um, okay, 
Yeah, I don't know. I know he's still alive. That I was talking about he's it with on someone the voice I was with. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were convinced he was dead. And I said, no, I'm almost positive he's alive because I listened to another podcast where there it would be big news if Tom Jones was dead. So, I think I know the podcast. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the, what year did you say this club. came out? <laughs> uh, I'm actually not going <laughs> to give you that information any longer. I, I, th- I fucked up by saying where the well, album was. I just wanted to, to know how old I you thought he was 60, in this photo. He's got to be in his 20s, like 24. Okay. Let me ask you maybe a different question. No, 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 no. The 60s. Uh, um, I don't know. Okay, let me ask you a different question. How old does he look? If you didn't know Tom Jones was still alive, and you also... Well, I guess you knew this was in the 60s, but if you didn't yeah. know he was still alive... Mm-hmm. How old do you think he was in this photo? Like, if he could have died at any time in the last 30 years. 48 years old, just yeah. like Jim Croce. Yes. And when you listen to Tom Jones's hits, what age does he sound like he is hmm. when he sings? About, about 48, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was saying, like, okay. So I was talking with a friend. We went into a record store. Somehow, oh, Tom Jones came up because I was listening to him in the car. And then actually this song and then this album was in their like new and used or new to used section, whatever that's called. Right. Um, and I said, wow, uh, he looks like surprisingly young, but also like, boy, when this song came out, came out, like I was just listening to this song. I, I think minimum he's got to be 35, but that feels young to me. That feels too mm-hmm. young for what I imagine Tom Jones to be like. Think of Thunderball, yeah. the guy singing Thunderball. Like that's got to be a guy <laughs> in his like early 40s right yeah it just doesn't make any sense that he would be young yeah pj tom jones was 25 years old when this photo was taken and also 25 years old when he recorded like all of those songs yeah which is fucking insane i cannot believe it it, i truly crazy about the 60s and 70s because you look at jim croce as well and he's on that similar thing he died at 29 i think but every photo of him looks like he's 50 and like he sings like he's a 50 year old man right it just and like even if you smoked, this isn't enough time for that to take its toll. <laughs> it's everybody it's like else smoking around. It's not like you. you're Keith Richards in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. both his face and voice is actually of a forty year old man in this photo. Yeah. It's it's truly wild. It's all the preserved preservatives they put in the goddamn yeah. food now, Pete. But it made me realize like I really like Tom Jones and I don't actually know if I can appreciate Tom Jones knowing that he's a young guy when he's singing What's New Pussycat. Like it does not work. It works because it's kind of like a lame old guy singing, but it's also a great song. But okay. if he's like 26 years old or whatever, I, I don't, I can't buy it. You're onto something there with <laughs> for me yeah. because Neil Diamond is the same way to where I'm like, yeah, yeah he's got a good voice for a 50 year old man, but right. I think all of his hits came out in like when he was in his 20s. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good because Hot August, Hot August Night. I mean, the album cover doesn't show his face super clearly, but still, I'd be like, that guy's got to be. Yeah, that guy's old as fuck. Yeah. Like, mid-30s minimum. Hot August Night came out when he was 28 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he sounds, he sounds like a guy in his mid to late 30s or 40s, and he looks like a guy in his mid-30s, I would say. Yeah. Um, um, I cannot. Yeah. It just, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, the frustrating thing about Neil Diamond to me is great songwriter. Never, oh, okay. Terrible voice. Like, I yeah. really don't think he 
He sounds like somebody who's doing like musical theater where it doesn't have to really be that good, where they're singing exposition to me, like "Hot August Night" when the leaves, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he doesn't have a great voice. His voice only works for me occasionally on like yeah. a few, a very few songs. But, but then, a, like great songs though, like "Cracklin' Rosie," great song, you know, "Forever yeah. Blue," "Cherry Jeans. Cherry," great song, "Cherry Cherry." Um, you know, uh, that one, that um, Brother Loves Traveling Salvation show. Perfect song. Pretzels. The best song in the world. Soggy Pretzels. The fuck is that song? Red Wine. <laughs> red, red, red. <laughs> one of the lyrics is about him eating pretzels, I think, at the bar. So, Soggy Pretzels is a game we used to play when we were teenagers, Pete. Hey, I still play occasionally. Okay. Oh. So that's my fun game. All right. So next, let's get to, I think we have a little bit. Of listener mail, PJ. There couldn't be a more perfect theme song that we've picked. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. I I really hope that I am doing this in order. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. There's only the one you know. Okay, so if people remember, if listeners remember, uh, was it last week's episode that we did the SoundCloud saga? Yep. Okay. Sharp-eared listeners will remember from last week, the SoundCloud saga. Well, here we are with the thrilling follow-up to the SoundCloud saga. (laughs) So just to recap real quick for those people who don't remember, uh, PJ emailed SoundClouds for some help, and they were the least helpful you could ever expect a customer service email they changed the goal line on me yeah there was a lot of back and forth so the last the last email being pj saying i did what was suggested and changed the file size it did not work nothing since then (laughs) except three days later automated email reply from soundcloud support hi there we haven't heard back from you in regards to your request if you still need assistance please reply to this email with the info requested previously we're looking forward to hearing back from you best soundcloud support fuck you soundcloud (laughs) (laughs) fuck you at the beginning assuming that they figured it out yeah Yeah. fuck you at the beginning for not being helpful and changing the goal line and then fuck you for just ignoring pj's follow-up email and then saying hey did we did you still need help uh yes god damn soundcloud yeah isn't that fun isn't it great dealing with them if we didn't need them to host our show then I know, and I don't know. We'd be kicked to the if curb. We can change our provider now. Like I don't know if the episodes just go away. I don't know that much about it to be honest. Email uh, us at beachboysboys@gmail.com yeah. if you know how podcasting works, because yeah. we're several years in and we're still not sure. Yeah, I mean, come on, Nathan, you're supposed to be our little intern. Yeah, Nathan, figure out a way for us to host it on our own without having to pay. That'd be really and sick. or figure out a way for them to pay us to put it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think that requires like advertisers, popularity, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, mm. Yeah. So, I see where you're coming from. Anyway, there. that has been <laughs> listener mail. Listener mail. Always a, always a good time when we hear from SoundCloud. It is. We love, you know what, SoundCloud, it's almost the third character on this show. Or fourth, I guess, because the, the first one is is you. Mm-hmm. The second oh, one is me. You, the third one is Pink Floyd. It, okay. Yeah. The, well, I would say maybe it's the fifth one then, because 
I would the say fourth the fourth one is, one is Anaheim, California. Yeah, and then the fifth one is uh, whatever we just said it was. I know. PJ, it's crazy how I spent we spent most of our lives there except for like the last two years and it's yeah. already like we never lived there at all basically I know. you know well not two years like three we years never talk but about it i know i just forget that anaheim even exists and you know what's so sad is that i haven't broken out and waxed the old surfboard in a long time i wax my woody every morning so okay well that's mm-hmm. something yeah that at least you know at least you're in the surf surf ethos and i do wear my beach boys pendleton shirt well, yeah, Every when, day. when we uh, stopped doing the Beach Boys Boys and we both moved to other places, I said, yeah. okay, I'll take the Woody. You can take the surfboards and the Pendletons. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And now you don't have a way to transport them and I don't have a way to surf. So Yeah. I wear the the Pendleton quadruple XL tall shirt just as a robe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is almost more a joke for me because I went to the Pendleton outlet over the weekend. And saw out of the corner of my eye a voluminous piece of fabric that turned out to be a Pendleton quadruple XL tall, which was hanging from like a regular rack and was like piled on the ground. It was like a yeah. full four feet tall. It was incredible. I've never, yeah, I've never seen a, a, a item of clothing that large. Do they charge extra for it? Because there's more fabric. You know what's crazy? No. Hmm. Yeah. It's like you're basically almost buying just a full blanket at that point. You have some sewing chops. You could just make that into something. Are you sure it wasn't just a blanket? No. You know what I was thinking about recently? Yeah, what were you thinking about recently? Ponchos are pretty cool. Like, not rain ponchos, but like cowboy ponchos. Those should make a comeback. Those are pretty sweet. I was thinking about it recently, too, because I was reading the book... Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the novelization. Yeah, <laughs> yes. of course. And they kept talking about... And then Clint threw on his poncho and muttered to himself damn this is cool yeah um and i hides a bulletproof vest perfectly as well (laughs) exactly and then also fuck that chair (laughs) so and and those latinas on my lawn um and fuck those guys trying to blow up a train in france or whatever shit he's doing now and fuck that mule. Or was yeah. he a mule? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Also, weren't weren't they Asian people that he was mad at in that movie? I thought it was... No, Never saw it. I thought it was like a Latino gang or some shit in his neighborhood. But maybe I am wrong. I, I feel like I saw part of it, but I, don't, I barely mm. remember anything about it. You know what? This is exactly what we're looking for. IMDb, Gran Torino, baby. Yeah, I... Because I feel like he uses a very terrible racial slur for Asian people a lot in that movie. I've never seen it, but I feel yeah. like I... You are absolutely correct. I don't know what I'm thinking of, but... I'm sure after, he did a movie where he also hates Latina yeah, people. After an H-Mong teenager... I don't know how to actually pronounce that, so I'm going to just do it that way. H-Mong teenager tries to steal his prized 1972 Gran Torino. A disgruntled, prejudiced Korean War veteran seeks to redeem both the boy and himself. Oh, so he's racist because he hates Koreans because of the war. Yeah, it's basically mm-hmm. Roger Stur. It's like the sequel to Mad Men that follows Roger into old age in the early 2000s. Mm. Would you like to hear something funny that I was going to do a joke about, but then couldn't think of one? I accidentally okay. looked up Gram Turismo. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't look right. This doesn't seem right. What if Clint Eastwood directed Gran Turismo, the movie? <laughs> <laughs> that would be... It probably be, wouldn't be worse than it's going to be. Have, like, yeah. You'd have a lot <laughs> more slurs in it. That's for yeah. sure. 
That's like his thing. I think he writes these movies just so you can say slurs and just like own Quentin Tarantino. That chair on the left. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, PJ, let's go ahead and talk Pink Floyd of all things. I don't. I don't know. That's crazy, but Pink Floyd. So PJ, this is really good. So this is actually from uh, the book that I've been reading, titled Wait, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly novelization <clears throat> or different mm-hmm. book. Yeah, so I've been reading that, but then one day I opened it, and I discovered I bought it from a used bookstore. Oh. Um, and I discovered, folded into the middle pages, someone had hidden this Pink Floyd book. <laughs> oh, and so then wow. I started reading that. <laughs> yeah. If you can called, see this book, that's a really... <laughs> it's called Pink Floyd, All the Songs, the story behind every track by Jean-Michel Goudon et Philippe Magoton. Anyway. So, and you know what? Pink Floyd up to this point, here's how they put it. And I think it, it makes a lot of sense when you put it this way. <clears throat> I went to the wrong page. Roger Waters said, we were really just fucking around. We weren't really trying to make any sort of music, per se. Well, we'll get there. (laughs) The section is titled, The First Real Pink Floyd Album, which is incredible because this group has now been around for, oh, let's call it six or seven years. (laughs) Yep, and made hmm, probably just as many albums. Yeah. Uh, Okay, here we go. This is what they say. The sixth Pink Floyd studio album, Metal, can be regarded in effect as the group's first album in which it displays its unique idiosyncratic touch. A saucer full of secrets had been made under the continuing influence of Sid Barrett. The album More was a soundtrack developed in line with the precise instructions of the director. The album Amagama was the result of individual efforts by the four members rather than a joint project. And while for many, Adam Hartmother uh, was good, it was given its definitive form by Ron Geeson. Metal, by contrast, was the fruit of a collaboration of four like-minded musicians motivated by shared desire to explore new avenues. You know what's crazy? We came to that conclusion last week. I was going to say, when you put it that way, it's almost like, hmm, what I've been saying, where it's like, Pink Floyd aren't really a band. They're just kind of four dudes who are contractually obligated to make some music together every year. Which, even when the Stones were doing that, they wrote (laughs) music. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... They at least had the blues to go off of, though. Yeah. To some degree, as someone who's hit or miss on the blues, it's not that. It feels like cheating. I guess I'll say that. (laughs) So anyway, so Pink Floyd, uh, tale as old as time. Here's what you get when you don't cheat, though. So yeah, exactly. You get Adam Hartmother. Adam Hartmother. A tale as old as time. Pink Floyd go into the studio having zero ideas. (laughs) Of course. Of they course they don't. They haven't had an idea since Saucerful. And like Saucerful they, of Secrets, they were pretty, it was pretty good actually. Yeah. Like they had songs, they had yeah. ideas. They were like, we're going to do this whole architectural music thing. And then it's been the previous like if four years where they've idea. had shit all to do. Uh, you, yeah. I just think it's funny that they, it keeps saying like no ideas. It's like we could just, yeah, we know by this point that they don't have that. Even when the album comes out, we're almost like, "Did are you sure this is the Was idea?" Was there a conducive thought throughout or? this whole thing? I don't think so. So, at least at this point, they are getting self-aware. There's a quote by David Gilmore from the time calling themselves, "quote the laziest group ever." 
And he yeah. followed that up by saying that other bands would be horrified by how they wasted their studio time. Oh my god, that's the fucking funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. They also um, started recording just like random noises, which I'll get into more details in a minute because they've done that before, but not in this specific way. And they called, they named all of these tracks that they recorded nothings. So again, self-aware. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You got to hide it a little bit. So when they get into the studio to start making music for metal again, they have no ideas ever. And they are quote, the laziest group ever. Mm -hmm. They originally thought, Hey, that, that track Alan's psychedelic breakfast where we made breakfast and recorded it. That was pretty yep. fucking sick. Right guys. Like no, that was no, the coolest shit anyone's ever heard. Maybe we should just record like a fucking noise album for movies or something. Yeah. What if we and just did like all sound effects artists. and we just brought shit from our house, like rubber bands and matchsticks and clamps and then set up weird little like Rube Goldberg machines that would make weird noises <laughs> when they ran and then just record those because that's exactly what they fucking did. That makes me want to kill myself. And what's a great, PJ? The greatest, the greatest thing. They realize it's not really the way to go for it at this time, but okay. put a pin in it. They're going to come back to this idea. Oh, good, good. Mm-hmm. And I Why don't, they? I don't, but they're going to come back to this idea after releasing what some people think is the greatest <laughs> rock album ever. Yeah, a couple of them, actually. <laughs> yeah. So just remember the uh, the household object sound art, because that's mm-hmm. not going away. They actually won a Grammy for making all the noises for Transformers. <laughs> but then, PJ, don't fear. They knew they needed some songs. So they thought, hey, Good. we're going to, instead of trying to, like, write a song or maybe you know like try and write a riff or, or anything like that or maybe like use the blues as a bass to like figure something out mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. going to put ourselves in four different parts of the studio we're going to all be recorded onto four separate tracks but we're not going to be able to hear anybody else mm-hmm. still yeah they've got we're great gonna, ideas who says we, who says they don't come into the studio with good ideas exactly. you know we are going to be and if you didn't it, these guys kind of swear they don't do drugs incredibly so mm. um okay right. but we are going to all have the same chord structure like the same chord changes and everything but we aren't going to be able to hear each other so we're all going to be playing at different tempos and different styles and then we're all through our headphones going to be going to get instructions like now play the next two minutes romantically no so they are still influenced by Sid Barrett. Yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> or play the next two minutes up-tempo. And then let's just see what the fuck comes out of it, because this is some good shit. See, we would have been good. We would have said, do this one mid-tempo for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, mid-tempo, but romantically. Here's the thing. They could have all been the same tempo. That's the th- They could have had a click track on there. They could have at least done that. I I don't think they wanted that though. I know they the didn't scary want part. that, but the yeah, you're right. You're right. They didn't want it. Why would they? It'd be crazy. Yeah. So okay, only one of these nothings. I think there were more, over twenty. Uh, oh, by the way, so they called them nothings, and then if they decided one section was worth working on more, then it got dumped into the pile of. And again, at least they have a bit of self-awareness. Yeah. Son of nothings. And then once they kind of made a whole song out of it, they called it the return of the son of nothings. <laughs> mm. It's Which very I funny only, to me that 
at no point did they think to call them somethings. What's a little confusing here is that supposedly Return of the Son of Nothings is played live and is what becomes the song Echoes. And yet my hmm. book outlines how they create Echoes and none of it has to do with the Nothings. There's one part of Echoes that comes from one of the parts of Nothings, but like so unclear how, how influenced it was. Yeah. Uh, they also might have just liked the name maybe and, and put that on when they played it live so people guessed. But yeah. Uh, so one of their engineers, a guy named John Leckie, who had worked previously with John Lennon and I think Ringo Starr, or no, George Harrison, on, on their first solo albums and then would work later with, with all the other Beatles and a lot of other famous people. But he was one of their engineers for this album. And he said that, uh, this is also from, or this might be from Wikipedia. Eh, who cares? Uh, he said usually that their sessions would begin in the afternoon and end uh, early in the morning. And he was apparently chosen as an engineer because he didn't mind staying up all night. Although pretty much every band we've talked about stayed up all night to record. So that kind of just seems like a prerequisite for being an engineer in the 60s. He's the only guy so. they knew who had a cocaine habit is what it sounds yeah. like. Except the Beatles, weirdly. The Beatles never did the overnight record as far as I know, or at least it wasn't common. They were very workmanlike. They liked to show up at eight and leave at five. Well, their dads were all bus drivers or absent. <laughs> so they didn't know any other way. Uh, okay. He said, by the way, that begin in the afternoon and end early next morning. Uh, during which time they would do nothing. <laughs> there was no contact from the record company, except their label manager would occasionally show up with a bottle of wine and a couple of joints. Yeah. Uh, and they swear and, they don't do drugs. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I'm thinking psychedelic drugs. Sid was the only one who did LSD. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess that your mind is so fucked. You don't think marijuana is a drug. Baby. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, and apparently though it's been long periods of time, like we've talked about working on a simple sound or just like one riff over yeah. and over and over again. So, uh, and what's great is that, uh, Pink Floyd decided, Hey, let's produce this album ourselves. Cool. Let's make it hard. Yeah. They got rid of Norman Smith because according to him and them, it was somewhat amicable. Uh, they mm. kind of just knew what they were doing at that point, And he was sort of getting in their way. Like they were becoming, uh, what am I trying to say? Sentient. Yeah, they were becoming a sentient, a sentient being of of noise uh, and psych and progressive rock. So, anyway, so, so that's what's so how... progressive about their rock and roll? Can I ask you that? <laughs> uh, here's what's progressive about it. Okay, so they recorded the song "Echoes." Here's a fun thing. It was created by, and this was them spending a long time working on a simple sound, and yet it led to half the album. So. Mm. Okay. Who can say okay. that their method is madness? At some point, Rick was sitting around playing the piano. Roger said, hey, what if we stuck a microphone in that piano and hooked it up to a Leslie uh, organ amp and then recorded that? That would sound pretty sick. And apparently they had to like convince the engineers to help them do it. Um, they didn't want to break their microphones. Yeah, I don't know. So they convinced the engineers to hook up this Leslie amp and... Then Rick started playing a note on the piano and they all went, wow, that sounds so fucking cool. And they were so inspired that they created the whole of Echoes from that song or from <laughs> that one note. So, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? No. The um, It did take them about nine months to record, mostly because they were on tour a lot. So, like, they obviously didn't 
record that whole time. Um, but comparatively long time from about January to like September. Hmm. Yeah, that's nine months. Um, September 71. And then it came out really soon after that. They were apparently under pressure to get it out by the end because they recorded San Tropez was the last song they recorded and they did it really, really fast, I guess. So, um, I'm shocked they do anything really, really fast. <laughs> they do and they have to. They did more in like a week. That one, that was great. Was pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like they need someone to be telling them what to do, maybe. But sure helps. Anyway. Um, yeah, to have a taskmaster. If they had had a taskmaster, that would have been nice. Uh, okay, random fun fact, because one of these songs, soccer will play a part, or football, as they call it in jolly old England. Oh. Uh, so random fun fact, apparently around this time, somebody's Pink been Floyd, watching Ted Lasso. Yeah, that's right. Pink Floyd formed their own soccer team that played like other amateur soccer teams in London. So it was the four, the four guys, they were called the Pink Floyd football club. It was the four guys storm was on it. Their manager, whose name I forget, but their manager was on it. Some of their like roadies and stuff. And so they played, uh, like rec league soccer for a little while, which is kind of cute. And maybe this is just of the time, but listening to their music, you would think these are the four most unathletic men I've ever heard in my life. I think I think it was both the time and the fact that and, they're British. And the fact that they're British. Um and the fact that it's rec league soccer, man. Anyone can play rec league soccer. It's true. Yeah. Even that the dames in there. Exactly. So, uh, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. The album art for metal was another, uh, hypnosis joint. Of course. I think they're with hypnosis up until the, like all the way through now. Right. That's yeah. That's kind of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. No, but like, is that, is that actually true? I know that they're up through their popular, but like even their later stuff like 80s i'm almost positive everything except like the one from 2014 or whatever is hypnosis okay from saucerful to essentially the end of their career gotcha gotcha yeah although and i think uh i might be wrong about this i think division is division bell the 94 one um that's the one with the faces right because that one's hypnosis yeah, whatever the 1994 one is. I think that's the last actual Pink Floyd album. I'm pretty sure the 2014 one is named Pink Floyd, but it's after Roger lost the rights to Pink Floyd the name, so it's only the three guys. So gotcha. it like it is a Pink Floyd album, but it's kind of not technically, you know. So. Right. Anyway, but I'm I'm pretty sure every album from Saucerful to whatever the 94 one is named. I can just look. It's on my notes literally right above where I'm looking. Yeah, the Division 94 one is Division 4. And then 94. Endless River 2014. That's the year I was born. Nice, me too. Hell yeah, brother. Are we brothers? That'd be incredible. Okay. Uh, so the album cover, Storm, up to his old tricks. Last time, they said, hey, why don't we need an album cover? And he drove out to the countryside, got a photo of a cow. Perfect. Love it. That's the album cover. This time, he said, how about... We put a photo of Baboon's butt on the cover. Hell yes. Hell and yeah. He was, and he was really gung-ho for this idea. To the point where when the band vetoed it and gave their own idea, he then threw a fit and has said in many interviews that Metal is the worst album cover that he's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hilarious. really funny. Yeah. Um, so the band wanted 
an ear underwater. Don't know why. Um, this supposedly this album kind of has an aquatic theme because echoes supposedly the the piano going through the Leslie speaker kind of sounded like underwatery, and then there's a section in echoes as well where it's kind of supposed to be like birds flying over the water, a soundscape thing. So supposedly there's kind of a water theme. I don't actually I'm unclear on whether Pink Floyd thought that when they were making it. So yeah. I'm not sure why the ear underwater. Well, we all know echoes only happen underwater. But yes, exactly. Uh, But Storm made it happen. They got a super close up of an ear, superimposed some water over it with some ripples and everything. Not a good album cover, I wouldn't say. No, it's it's probably their weakest one so far, or it's definitely their weakest one so far. Yeah, I take that back. Maybe their weakest one. More is not good. But that's not really. I guess. I think it is it's better than more. From the album. Well, yeah. Hypnosis designed more, so I'm going to go ahead and say that it's a real one. But it's def- it's definitely better than more, but it's the worst one after more. Okay, that's fair. And it, yeah, it's pretty bad in their, in their whole discography, I would say, personally. Okay, let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back with the Rolling Stone Review and our patented track-by-track. That's some tasty Miller Lite beer. Oh, I'm drinking Coors Banquet. That's some tasty Coors Banquet beer, fresh from the Rockies. And now we're back from the ads. PJ, one joy that just made me think of one of my great joys. I've been watching the NBA playoffs. Welcome back, by the way. Welcome back to the Pink Floyd Fellows. I've been watching the NBA playoffs religiously, and one of my great joys is listening to one specific announcer. I I believe it's Mike Breen. Uh, They read ads during the show occasionally, like when they're doing some free throws or some shit. There'll be like a Burger King, get the Whopper now for $5 or whatever. And... Five dollars for a Whopper? <laughs> I know it's incredible. Inflation's crazy. It used to be five cents. Um, so it's a hundred times more expensive. <laughs> oh my god, things yeah. have really changed since two thousand and three. It is a hundred times as big as it used to be, though. So yeah, fair or not? I mean, your decision. Uh, but the other day he read an ad that was something about the game NBA two K twenty three, and it was just this really long convoluted thing about how like here's a special code you can get a special thing in the game and it'll give you this special thing and all that read this super long convoluted thing and the other guy who was announcing with him started like laughing halfway through and then he just said do you know what any of those words meant and he said no i have no (laughs) idea (laughs) but like sold it the whole time you know because he's a professional and he does those all the time like read it perfectly and then is like i literally that's just all gibberish. In fact, I was going to ask you fellas, what's a PlayStation? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking great. That's sometimes what I feel like listening to the band Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh, <good laughs> you listen, segue. you listen, you listen, yeah. and you're like, I 
There's I something get it. happening, What's but happening? Yeah. I don't know what. All right. So the metal pink, or uh, finally, after a few weeks, we've been off for a few weeks, the metal Rolling Stone review. All right, welcome to the Rolling Stone review. Uh, so we do have a Rolling Stone review after a few weeks without. It is. It came out in January '72. The album was released in the U.S. in October '71. So they're they're in their times uh, about uh, taking taking a long long ass time to review these albums. So it is written by a person named Jean Charles Costa. Hmm. Not what uh, I'm familiar with. No, and I clicked on the name. He wrote four reviews for Rolling Stone magazine. I'm assuming he was maybe a, a what do you call it? Freelancer the, or something. I was going to say, you're the journalist here, Pete. Yeah. One, EC was here, a live Eric Clapton album. Oh, I wonder what he gave that. Hopefully from 1975, that came out. Also from 1975, the Jethro Tull album, Minstrel in the Galley. <laughs> and in 1977. What a spread. Yeah, and in 1977, he reviewed Bad Company's Burning Sky. So, yeah, I don't know what Jean-Charles Costa's deal was. but You gotta admit, you know, he doesn't have a thing, you know? Yeah. And it's a pretty short review, so I'm gonna read the entire thing. Pink Floyd has finally emerged from the Adam Hart mother phase, a fairly stagnant period in their musical growth marked by constant creative yeah. indecision. Mm-hmm. Good summation. They tried to cover for it by putting a particular series of subliminal sound effects on the Adam Hart LP and by dragging in huge, unwieldy brass orchestra sections to their concerts. Nothing short of disaster on both counts. Their new album, Metal, not only confirms lead guitarist David Gilmour's emergence as a real shaping force with the group, it states forcefully and accurately that the group is well into the growth track again. The first cut, One of These Days, parenthetical, I'm going to cut you into little pieces, end parenthetical, mm. sticks to the usual Floyd formula, sound effect, slow organ, build, lead guitar surge, climax resolving sound effect... <laughs> that's a really good summation wow but each segment of the tune is so well done and the whole thing coheres so perfectly that it comes across as a positive high energy opening next we have a series of ozone ballads like pillow of winds in san tropez pleasant acoustic numbers hovering over a bizarre backdrop of weird sounds a clever spoof titled fearless leads up to a classic crowd rendition of rogers and hammerstein's you'll never walk alone the perennial victory song uh, for the wembley cup final crowd in england and to round off side one, a great pseudo spoof blues tune with David Gilmore's dog Seamus taking over the lead duties. <laughs> Echoes, that's good. Echoes, a 23 minute Pink Floyd oral extravaganza that takes up all of side two, recaptures, within a new musical framework, some of the old themes and melody lines from earlier albums. All of this, plus a funky organ bass drum segment and a stunning Gilmore solo, adds up to a fine extended electronic outing. Metal is Killer Floyd from start to finish. I would never have guessed that that was the last line he was going to say. Yeah. It's there to me, go. I was like, yeah, this could have described any of their albums, and this guy's going to tear it to pieces. But he liked it? I also need to write down the phrase Killer Floyd. Yeah. Because I feel like we need to use that again the Killer oh, yeah. Floyd era. Um, and honorable. Oh, go ahead. Do you have more thoughts about no, that? No, 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 no. You go ahead. Honorable mention to the greatest one of the greatest reviews i have ever read 
uh, which is the Robert Christgau review of Metal, which is not bad. <laughs> Echoes, <laughs> Echoes yeah. moves through 23 minutes and 21 seconds of Across the Universe cop with the timeless calm of Interstellar <laughs> Overdrive and the acoustic-type folk songs boast their very own melodies, as well as a real, do- real dog rather than electronic seagulls for sound effect. The word behold should never cross their filters again, but this is definitely an improvement. One eensy-weensy step for humanity, one giant step for Pink Floyd. Damn. This is the God, second time so, somebody said eensy-weensy so in a Pink good. Floyd review. Well, I read this one a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. That's why I'm bringing it back, yeah. Huh. Um, oh, hey, I forgot to read. So we actually have Robert Christgau for the rest of their series, too. So we're going to add this to the Rolling Stone review. Real quick, he had an Adam Hartmother one that I didn't I didn't oh. read. Believe it or not, the uh, suite on the first side is easier to take than the, God, songs on the second. <laughs> <laughs> this guy rules. Yeah. Yeah, they do leave the singing to an anonymous semi-classical chorus. And yeah, they probably did get the horns for fanfares at the same hiring hall. But at least the suite provides a few hypnotic melodies that made Umagama such an admirable record to fall asleep to. Oh, we did read part of that on the Umagama album. Or, uh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> this guy rules. All right. That's funny. Yeah, we'll, I'm, I'm adding this to the list. We'll, we'll do Rolling Stone and Robert Christgau reviews from here on out because he's so fucking good. All right. So a couple of at least good, uh, or if not good qualified good reviews so uh so metal was released in november 1971 i believe october in the states weirdly um Hmm, it went to number yeah it went to number three on the uk charts and number 70 on the u.s charts uh but it did go like double platinum in the u.s i read which i'm assuming will have to do with dark side doing well because this is the one right before dark side so i am assuming when people love that they went and bought metal again so right but it, it only peaked at number 70 on the U.S. charts, which actually is surprising that it wouldn't have gone higher in, like, 1973, you know. But anyway, also, big news on the instrument front. Wait, Davey, wait, 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 wait. Oh. What about Obscured by Clouds? Yeah, but that's a soundtrack. Like, I'm gotcha. just thinking for gotcha. the casual fan. Totally, you know, totally. They're totally. going to go, oh, Metal's the last, like, Floyd album. Right, right, right. Um, also, big news on the instrument front. Davey gets two new guitars. <sighs> he gets a double-neck pedal steel weird but cool yeah well, well i we'll guess hear it a lot no most pedal album. steels are double neck yeah i guess i said they don't that really call he gets a pedal neck, steel yeah. but yeah yeah um sorry i need to check my notes for the name of the other one it is it's i had to look it up because it was a brand i'd never heard of before he has a bill lewis custom 24 fret guitar i do not know bill lewis at all but i immediately found an article about david gilmore's bill lewis guitar so we can at least see what it looks like yeah, if you look up Bill Lewis custom 24 fret guitar, the first thing no. is David Gilmore's Bill Lewis custom 24 fret guitar. Yeah. So. Oh, there we go. So. so, he has a couple new guitars. So, in that way, we'll we'll hear especially the pedal steel a lot on this album. I don't know yeah. if we'll Uh, oh, supposedly the Bill Lewis was played for the main guitar solo on Echoes, so we'll hear that. And then also most famously used as part of the Money solo. Oh. The 24 frets and two full octaves allowed Davey to reach higher notes than he could have with his regular Stratocaster. So, there you go. Give me one second. <clears throat> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Okay. <laughs> What's the most you have on one? Um, 
well, I was seeing how many a standard oh, Stratocaster had. It's 21, oh, okay. which I thought was correct, but... Um, yeah. Just like how many teeth I have. Yeah, precisely. You got all your molars removed, because... Well, you went this whole vegetarian thing where you're like... Oh, I like to chew with my front teeth only. Yeah. What's it makes that? things... You get nicer chunks that way. Exactly. I think the most frets... I think I have a 24 fret guitar. Yeah, I do. Nice. So, I'm just as good as David Gilmore, is what I'm basically nice. saying. As a human being and musician. So. All right. Let's go ahead and get to our track by track. The first song on metal. One of these... Uh, written by the full band. It's playing, folks. Mm, more wind sound effects. They love their wind sound. And they'll love it again. This comes back. Like a good deal, I think. Yeah. They really do like it. So this opening is Davey and Roger playing two bass guitars. Hmm, that's not an effect, eh? This is an effect, and then there's another one coming in. Oh. Oh. Because one has like a delay on it, yeah. So in the the kind of weird tone on this bass apparently came from one of the guitars had really, really old strings, and they didn't have new ones in the studio. So they sent a guy out to buy some new strings, and he just disappeared for like five hours. Supposedly, he went and like hooked up with his girlfriend and stuff while he was gone. So they got tired of waiting and just recorded it anyway, and then kind of liked the weird, like, shitty tone of the old strings on the guitar. So, Who's ever changed bass strings in their life? Like who needs Hey man, they tour a lot and Roger only had the two bases, so I'm I'm guessing maybe they just got back from a tour and he hadn't switched them out or something. You don't need to. Those bad boys will stay good forever. Hey, take it up with Roger and Davey. Also, apparently this song was inspired by the sixties Doctor Who theme. Should I try to pull that up? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I've never heard it, so. So we've talked about a good amount of songs reminding us of, like, oh, maybe something that would be on Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. This song this is, yes. reminds me strongly of The Wall, actually, because it's, like, a little oh, more aggressive. Yeah. It's a lot more, like, trebly and kind of, like, I don't know, rock-y like The Wall is. Like, it sounds like an early 80s song kind of to me a little bit. I mean, I know The Wall's late 70s, but there you go. Yeah, I could hear that. Yeah. It even has the same like background sound effects. Yeah. Cool. It actually just sounds like something Pink Floyd would have recorded. Yeah. Is this not Pink Floyd? <laughs> yes, that's not part of Saucer Ball of Secrets. This is much better than Pink Floyd though. Yeah, but then there isn't a sick guitar solo in it. The bass line sounds the exact same like it's the same exact thing. Yeah, it's just faster. Alright. Back to the show. Yeah. 
That guitar tone is primo. Yeah. Their production is getting better. They use the fucking Doctor Who like, ooh. Yeah. Really, they shouldn't have said inspired. They should have said, this is a cover of the Doctor Who song. I like that weird cutting out effect that they're using. It's really, really cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't actually, it's one of the few things that's not outlined in my book, how they make this sound effect, but I'd be curious because it's really fucking cool and feels advanced for 1971. Like, this seems yeah. like something you should need more electronic keyboards and stuff for. It's like somebody was, he was playing it and somebody was turning down the volume. Yeah. As he was doing it. Oh, here we go. They used an H&H amp with vibrato. Davey set the vibrato to the same tempo as the delay. Oh. And then he played bass through it. And then, yeah, made that little section, which then they spliced into the rest of the song. That's apparently, yeah. And this is a really, really great guitar solo. And just great instrumental section. This yeah. is basically like the rock version of this the fade out to one of the one of the songs off more where they're all like jamming kinda together. Yeah. On piano and guitar and drums. And this kinda feels similar to that where they're this all is, just jamming out to me in harmony. Since more, this is the most together they have sounded. Yeah. And yeah. this is probably the best instrumental they've done so far, I think. I think it's up there for sure. Yeah. It's really, really good. Oh, instrumental. Then, yeah, probably. I was yeah. thinking for some reason of the intro of Saucer Full of Secrets, which is not at all an instrumental. So. They're like onto something here. You could hear it like even yeah. more so. Like you said, it sounds like the wall. Yeah. All right. Now we get to A Pillow of Winds, uh, which is written by Roger and Davey. Davey singing lead. This song, uh, apparently, all the lyrics at least are about Roger and Nick and their wives playing Mahjong together on vacation. How cute. <laughs> what year did this album come out? Uh, 1971. Okay. To me, it sounds like they heard the song Tangerine from Led Zeppelin 3. And they were like, we could do that, and then did it worse. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I think this song is solid, but in the long, already really long run of Pink Floyd acoustic songs, mm -hmm. it's not amazing. It's good, but it's it's not better than that great stuff off of order, basically. Yeah. Although the slide guitar is really great. The instrumentals are good. The voice, his voice sucks on this song. I really don't like it. 
gets a little too breathy and like trying to do like a oh we're so quiet and hushed and going to bed song but yeah. like i do like the lyrics again though like rogers he's got a good way with lyrics man. yeah i think that guy he should write some songs mm, no i don't think so You know what's crazy? In the time, and I didn't really think about this until I just made that Led Zeppelin comparison. In the time it took um, Pink Floyd to make Amagama and Adam Hartmother, Led Zeppelin yes. put out Led Zeppelin 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, Led Zeppelin did steal a bunch of those songs, so. Hmm, touche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, right. Pink Floyd are lazy, but at least they ain't stealing shit. <laughs> Except from Doctor Who, I guess. Well, yeah. A good point. Okay, name one song they stole off of Led Zeppelin 1. I don't know. I mean, it, stole is strong, but they definitely based all of them off of old blues songs. So, Actually, I only know they outright stole like two or three, I guess. But mm, off the top I of my head. I think it's more than that. Uh, I yeah. Can't Quit You, Baby was stolen. <laughs> Off a of Led Zeppelin one. It's a Willie Dixon tune. But maybe they credited him at the time. I doubt it. They were not big into that. The only thing I know about them crediting was when they credited the guy laughing in his face that they stole his song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Off whatever. Well, I forget what the song is on uh, Physical Graffiti. But they literally in the album liner notes, they're like, thanks, Al and your wife. Like, this is a... You know, thanks for letting us use your song or something, but then without actually paying him for it, it's yeah, that's fucked. They were great guys. Yeah. The slide guitar is beautiful on this. Yeah. In my time of dying. Nice. Let's go ahead and get to Fearless, another song written by Roger and Davey and Davey singing lead. Can't help but notice that you yawned at the end of that one, Pete. My thoughts exactly. Yeah, it makes you fall asleep, kind of. These songs, so far, that song was fine, and the first song was a great instrumental. They've both gone on a little bit too long. Yeah. So this song, I think, is brilliant. This is a really great guitar riff. The lyrics and melody are really good. Like to, to me, once again, this is like they listened to Led Zeppelin and they were like, we could kind of do something like that. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's really good. Yeah, I like that guitar lick. And then I love this part. Yeah, you're right. It is it is kind of Zeppelin. I can I can hear where you're coming from. Both songs have been very Zeppelin-y until the like vocals come in. It's like the opposite of Robert Plant vocals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like Davy's voice works really well for me on this song. More yeah, the, the second song it was not very good on. This one he's pretty good. steel like fading up in the background yeah. behind his voice there is so good man oh, that does sound 
I mean, Roger and David playing like that. The bass, the the way that the bass and the guitar together are like working very well in this song is like better than anything they've ever done or played together before. I think. Yeah, it's really gorgeous, and I'm gonna go ahead and say now, unless there's major surprises on the '80s albums that I haven't heard, this to me. I, I know my top three acoustic Pink Floyd songs, and this is one of them. Yeah, so. this is a phenomenal song. It is absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so all the like soccer or the, all the like crowd singing stuff is yeah. like the soccer song, which is apparently a Rodgers and Hammerstein song that was like a Liverpool uh, football team song that the crowd would sing, and so they actually went to a game and recorded that, which is kind of cool. Which Liverpool, Liverpool football team? Hmm? Liverpool FC. <laughs> I'm more of a... Oh, sorry. Give me one second to Google football. Well, the boys were apparently Arsenal fans. And so there was a question at some point from an interviewer of why they didn't use, like, an Arsenal fan song. And they said because they liked the Liverpool one better. And because apparently Liverpool fans were known to sing louder. And so they were like, it was better to record stuff, too. It's a very musical town. I know four lads from there. Um... You know, I really fucked this up because one of the few football teams I know is Manchester United, and I was going to say Manchester United, but I wasn't sure. Apparently, they're rivals of Liverpool, and that's what I was going to get at. Gotcha. Uh, Boy, you oh, fuck City, up though. a Liverpool. That was a bad accent. Let me try that again. Oh, mate, I'm going to fuck up somebody from Liverpool. There we go. That was, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Nailed it. Liverpool's a hard word to say in an English accent that's not... Like a Liverpudlian yeah. accent. Yeah. Liverpool. Really, the only thing this is missing is a guitar solo. Yeah. But that's okay. That's why it's third I mean, out of their three best ones. Yeah. If it had like a sick pedal steel solo in it. Mm. Right. Oh, PJ. I know. Oh, I'm so excited for you for next week. Yeah. So excited for you to hear a song next week then. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and get to... The next song, San Tropez, written and sung by Raj. Mm, Should have done sim- something different with his voice. Well, I kind of like it. It's fun. He just breezed in off the beach, you know. From here on out, it's fine. But that opening, can't, l- let me get that again. Sure. I hate how it sounds here. As I reach for a peach, slide around down I don't know what it is. It sounds gross to me at the beginning, and then it's fine throughout yeah. the rest of it. It's like they put the bass and the drums in the same room for this song. Yeah, it's a good bass line. I like, you know, I like the jazziness. It's fun. It's again, like, I don't think this is a good song in any way, shape, or form, but it's fun to hear them doing like a different kind of musical genre. It's good for a lead or not lead zeppelin. It's good for a Pink Floyd song, my friend. Yeah. 
I like it. Yeah. I like the drums. The little like you know, swing thing he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, Nick's Nick's doing alright. Although, oh my god, can you imagine how stoked Charlie would have been if the Rolling Stones were like, we're gonna do a little jazzy track. Yeah. He got he such a boner that day. On top of it. Remember when the Rolling Stones almost drowned him in their music video where they used bubbles and they came out behind his, his drum set and then they yeah. went above his head while he was playing drums? Yeah, where are all those funny stories for Pink Floyd? God damn it. I think their funny stories are that they start a football team and make household objects into music instead of doing their job. (laughs) And they're just bored and lazy. See, like, this is, ooh, this slide solo, man. Fucking A. Yeah, dude. Which, honestly. Like, do you think he'd ever played a pedal steel before this? No. Or is he just making it up? They're so hard to fucking play, too. So I'm like, I'm pretty impressed with it. And what's funny is that there was some quote in my book along the lines of him saying, yeah, I just got the pedal steel, I think, because I wasn't very confident as a guitar player, so I thought I could, like, hide behind, like, a a new instrument or something. Just crazy because he's a phenomenal guitar player. Which is wild, and then also wild that it's like, yeah, you pick a super hard instrument and then are immediately amazing at it. Yeah. Given if my job was to, like, make music and, like... Yeah, I could fuck around on a pedal steel for a couple hours a day, get okay at it. No. I don't have that kind of time. I got a podcast, Pete. That's my full-time job, is this podcast. Wouldn't that great, be so funny? Great Ricky... Uh, piano? Piano solo. Yeah. It's tough because I hate really well. everything about this song except the solos are so good and it's like nice to hear them like working in a different genre. You know what I, I like kind of wish? Song. I almost yeah. wish they would have just redone Power Talk H and just done this as like a weird instrumental with maybe like one verse in there. You know, just pick all your best lines about hanging out in San Tropez, mm-hmm. do like one verse in the middle and then just kind of make it like a weird jazz jam where everyone gets a solo. Yeah. It'd be cool. I like this song. All right, let's go ahead and get to Seamus. Uh, so this is another group track because they're all just doing a blues jam, basically. Uh, Davey sings lead. The and dog on the track time. is not Davey's dog. It Davey was dog-sitting for Steve Marriott from Humble Pie, uh, who if we've heard that name before <laughs> from funny. the Rolling Stone stud, Steve Marriott yeah. was one of the guys who auditioned for Mick uh, Jagger's. Yeah, Mick no. Jagger's spot in the band. Mick. God damn it, what's his last name? Lil Mick. Yeah, but Mick, what's his actual oh, last name? Mick Taylor. Mick Fleetwood. Okay, Mick Taylor. Uh, for Mick Taylor's spot. So apparently he and Davey were close enough. So, But his dog would like howl along to music. So they brought the dog into the studio and then we're like, let's record him and play a song. So. I really like the slide guitar on this. And that's the only good thing about it. Oh, the piano is yeah. like kind of nice. It's not a real song, though. No, their like one minute long blues thing on the Moore soundtrack is better than this. Um, this is the definition of like filler material, if you ask me. But it's kind it's cute that the dog's singing along, but like only if you're in person. Like they they saw it in person, they were like, "That's so funny. We could put that on an album." And um, I'm sure it was funny for them and like a real good time yeah. for them. But then it does not. It's not like the Beach Boys, so you can hear having fun recording, you know? So Seamus is 2 minutes and 15 seconds. I think this would have worked if it was like 40 seconds long. If it was yep. just like a weird little interstitial thing. 
like at the yeah. end of the song. Like I said, every single is, one of these songs goes too on long. too long so far. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and get to Echoes. Uh, so yeah. Davey and Rick sing co-lead for most of this song with them like harmonizing together. Um, so we already talked a little bit about how they come up with the song. Uh, this is in multiple sections, not officially. Like some of their other long songs are officially broken up into sections. This one is just one long song, but you know, listeners over the years have kind of divided it up into sections. So yeah. I'll, I'll sort of point those out when they come. So this is the beginning with the piano played through the Leslie organ. Daddy sang bass, mama sang tenor. I gotta say in the old PJ book, I'm already annoyed. If your whole thing with Pink Floyd the whole time is just not liking long intros, then I don't think you're going to like any of their songs, my man. It's not even that I don't like long intros. I'm fine with a long intro, but just make it more interesting. Start here. Start here with a like, little guitar, you know. Because they want it to unfold, PJ. They want to get you in a mood and set the table and, and you know, add and layer. And, and I don't want to unfold this LP out of its packaging. That was not good. I don't want to... What folds? I don't want to... I'll workshop this in my head and I'll get back to you on it. Really great guitar lines coming in from Davey in the background here, man. Just like classic David Gilmore, clean guitar noodling. Yeah. There we go. Now we're starting to get kind of something. There we go. Very, like, George Harrison-y kind of, the tone yeah. on that uh, slide. And that little walk down that he does there is yeah. so nice into this section. I've never said no, they're not talented, but, um, you know, yeah. at, at their instruments. I will say they're <laughs> relatively untalented in constructing a Songwriting, song. Ironic yeah. because they're architects. Um, so this is the unofficial first section. The unofficial second section will start when the singing starts. In the Once again, just a beautiful walk down there. Yeah. So Ricky's singing like the falsetto part, and then you can tell huh. Davey's singing the regular part. Yeah. So is he always the one, like on future albums, is he the one doing falsetto most of the time, Ricky? That's a good question. I actually don't know how much he sings. I've always known Roger and Davey to handle most of the lead vocal duties, yeah. but um, so I'm interested to see how much Rick is in the background in a way that I've haven't Never noticed, noticed maybe. Beautiful. It is beautiful, yeah. Um, yeah. Can you imagine if they just put an EP that was like the first four songs? <laughs> 
That would have been rough. <laughs> um, this guitar line immediately to me as a uh, somewhat uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber fan, I'm like, this is just the Phantom of the Opera. And I don't know if he actually did steal Phantom of the Opera from this, but it's very, very similar. The Phantom of the Opera theme is dun, 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 dun. Like in that exact oh, note, yeah. descension. Yeah, descending note. No, I've heard that. Yeah, mostly in like spooky Frankenstein movies. Right. Wait. Is the Phantom of the Opera a Frankenstein guy? No, but he is sort of a freak, if you can call him that. Oh, that's what I mean by Frankenstein guy. Just like weird people. He's a monster, yeah. Okay. So like he's in a wheelchair or something? He's just wheeling around in a wheelchair. That's his. That's his. <laughs> that's his issue. That's why he's stuck up in the attic of that theater, wherever it is, because he can't get down the stairs. <laughs> he's in the basement, but yeah. yeah. yeah no, he difference. flies all around it. No, physically he is of, uh, in great health, but oh. no, his face is half like burned away. I believe. Did, I forget did, if it was an accident or if he's born that way. Actually, I I do forget what happened. But yeah, half his face is like burned and fucked up. Mm, and that's why he wears a mask. Yeah, exactly. Mm. He should really have one of those um, protective, like, basketball masks, like the clear ones, you know, so that he yes. doesn't burn the other half of his face on accident. That's a really good point, PJ. Um, so what I like about this song is that twice now, they, they're holding their cards. Like, they, they're doing a long song in a good way. Yeah. So both at the beginning, before the vocals started, they like start into the part where the vocals will start, but then just do another instrumental section. Yeah. But it's worthwhile. It's not like they're wasting time. My, my and then same one. here, yeah. where they like start into what should be the solo, but then vamp again. But it's like not a waste of time. They're like they're playing good stuff. I will say that, as far as their long songs go, that are you know many parts long, this is among the better ones. I, yeah. I do hate the intros. Like, truly, they could have cut a minute out of the song, and I wouldn't have. I would have liked it a lot more. You're talking over, I think, the 24 fret guitar solo. By the way, just listen to how high up he's going. You know, I think this is the Bill Lewis custom. Speaking of custom guitars, have you heard George Harrison talk about custom guitars? No. Oh, he... This was an interview he did in like the 80s or something, and he was like, wow, that is pretty good. Um, And then, ooh, fucking break it down, guys. Yeah. There's organ here, yeah. Yes, the organ pumps here are so perfect, man. It is incredible organ tone. Um, but yeah, this again is like, man, when they were just fucking around and like with doing Umagumma, they should have become like Spencer Davis group for a second. Like, just do some like yeah. hard boogie rock. Yeah. They could slay, man. Like, this is so good. Like, they would have been a great fucking Southern blues band. Yeah. Southern rock, I guess. Um, but George Harrison was like talking about like the guitars that he was playing in like the mid '60s. And he was like, you know, we were famous enough by that point, and we could have asked him for anything. Like, fucking Bo Diddley had that square guitar, you know? 
we could have yeah. had ones custom made because I really hated our tone then, and I just oh. we never we never once thought about it. Um, yeah. And then the first custom guitar he got was not even like one he designed. It was that Rosewood Telecaster that Fender gave him hmm. in 1969, yeah. and he was like, "That's like the first time I thought about like, oh, I could probably have somebody make me a guitar." Uh, and yeah. then he never did. <laughs> yeah. All of his well, what's interesting. Here's a weird Beatles thing that I either knew and forgot or maybe didn't know is that apparently EMI were like very, very stingy as a mm-hmm. as a record label. And so it's maybe not yeah. a surprise that the he um, hated the Vox amps. He hated the Gresh guitars, but yeah. that became like the Beatles tone. And he was really annoyed with that because he really didn't like either of them. Uh, so Davey's going fucking crazy here. I actually don't like this solo as much as the one that preceded it, but it, yeah. it's still good. But I just don't love his style with the whammy bar and stuff quite as much. So I feel you on that. It's still it's still impressive. But. So this is the third unofficial section. I do love the organ though. Like, and again, I love like all them kind of jamming together. They can really do this. They're good where, when they like do stuff yeah. together. And like, I mean, it's like the Grateful Dead, or as you have been into lately, Fish. Yeah, it is like, like the, the boys from Fish. It's like, okay. Um, I don't like that. The Fish Boys. You said it like you know them, you know? Um, it, it's I like feel that. like I do, PJ. They play with such emotion. In the freaker by the squeaker. That's my impression of Fish. <laughs> Not far off. Um, but it's like, I understand why you would go to a live show and listen to this and see it on stage because they're playing together so great but then like why it doesn't necessarily translate to album because I would be like by this point in the song I am even though there's good stuff happening I'm kind of bored um fucking A nah that's good but like if I saw this live I'd be enthralled the whole time you know yeah I kind of get that I do think yeah I, I hear where you're coming from I, I'm hit or miss with the long ones for sure. I think this one works for me just because they almost throughout the entire song keep it keep it going here. Well, this, this groove is good. It's so great, man. Just when they, you know, take some normal kind of, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? tactics to like making a song where they're yeah. like let's just do a groove it's good and then they get into like but also could we have a dog barking you know alright so now we're transitioning to the fourth section and this section is called the what? descent into hell. what do we have? how many what's our time stamp right now 11 minutes yeah so yeah so we're going into this and now we are getting into the obligatory noise section of the Pink Floyd long song, <laughs> which is, which is, of course, the one weak part in this entire song. They could just cut it easily, but mm-hmm. um, cut the beginning, cut this. We got ourselves a song, baby. We're making a yeah. stew. So they do some wind effects, some crow sound effects. They do do. <laughs> they do do. <laughs> some interesting sound effects like this is Roger playing with a slide on his bass in through like weird sound effects 
Uh, Davy apparently hooked up his wah pedal backwards to create some weird noises. So, like, I mean, it's cool mm. if you dig that. Yeah, stuff. no, that'll be cool for when they do their 1993 Halloween album. Yeah, exactly. Spooky noises to play at a party. So let's go ahead and get to, like, 14 minutes. I'd love to. <laughs> so very, very saucer full of secrets. Like, I feel like we've heard this story before, or this yeah, sound before, I, you know? I mean, it's it's cool. I like that they like it, but the only the best thing I can say about it on this song is that they do keep it relatively short. You know, out of a 24-minute song, it's like four minutes, and they obviously don't need it, but yeah. at least like compared to Adam Harris' mother, it doesn't feel like it takes up as much of the song, so that's good. And then we're going to move out um, at around 15 minutes. To get to the next section. Cool. We're about 14 seconds away from that. In the meantime, I'm going to look at some motorcycle. <laughs> You're getting bored in this 25 minutes on. Oh, okay, here's... real quick, I will show you, though. They have a picture of Nikki got new drums. They used to say Pink Floyd, but now they look like that. So I feel like cool, I've so. seen those ones before. Yeah. it's kind of It kind of looks like it's supposed to be like a Hindu-y design. It kind of looked like... A like spider a web or something when I showed you, but yeah, yeah, it's exactly a mandala, yeah. Oh, here's a cool Honda CL350 from 1971. Same year <laughs> as this album. Nice. Yeah. Do you think that guy cruised around listening to metal on his? Yeah, he was listening to this walk, part, man. No. <laughs> on his eight track. Yeah. He had it installed. I can still see it on here. So this section was the one part of the nothing sessions that came on that made it onto the album. So thanks, thanks guys for doing that. Yeah, if you had had me guess, I think I would have guessed this. So. Okay, go ahead and go to eighteen minutes, and we will get to what I will conservatively say is my favorite piece of Pink Floyd music they've maybe ever created. And this guitar part is so insanely great. What does that remind me of? Like the chiming guitar part, and then in the background, he's going like up and down with his slide. Yeah, it's so gorgeous, man. You know what it makes me think of is it sounds like something from like 2010. It does not at all yeah. sound like a guitar part from 1971. Oh, he sounds decades Peter, ahead of his time. I'm gonna right have now. some thoughts about them sounding far more modern than they have any right to in a couple albums here, but yeah, it's wild how modern that sounds to me. It's it's really beautiful, and it's it reminds me of the one Rolling Stone song I forget off the top of my head, but the one Rolling Stone song where there's like a 30 second part in the middle where I'm like that's some of the most beautiful instrumentals I've ever heard just in the middle of this random stone song where that part to me is like holy shit what is Davey doing there so I honestly forgot that there was any words in this song yeah now they're back to it we could go ahead and skip to about 21 minutes in and listen to the end if you want because once we get to like the final solo man Davy just rips. Oh, 
Like, I, just what were they doing for the last four years when they had this inside of them? It took them all of Umagama um, to get to here. It's bullshit. From, but... a, from a reliable source, uh, they were busy being lazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like, it's crazy too, because no one was, again, no one was cracking the whip on them ever. So this is just them being like, well, we might as well put together 23 minutes of gorgeous fucking music. This is really, really great. They love that wind. They really do. Nice mellow ending to the album Metal. PJ, do you have any thoughts on the album Metal, or would you like me to share my thoughts first? You go. I feel like I go first most of the time. Okay. Metal, as we've referenced several times on the show recently, we've been listening to Metal both for like a month now. Yeah. <laughs> so, it. Re- I really did not click with Metal for like the first three weeks of that month. And I mean, well, I, I, I loved fearless pretty much immediately. That's one of my fave Pink Floyd songs now, but especially echoes took me a really long time to get into. It was just like, (laughs) it was always, it was always kind of good, but I never really got it. And then like recently, I think, I think it just took, you know, some dedicated listening instead of just listening while I was like driving around or doing something else, but kind of actually listened to it and just, holy shit. Is it, uh, what so minus that like five minute section in the middle 18 perfect minutes of rock music basically like these guys it's the first time that i felt like pink floyd know what the hell they're doing which is incredible because their next studio album is fucking dark side of the moon so i don't yep. know how they go from like from nothing to oh they're pretty damn good now to oh they're the greatest band maybe ever you know like it's crazy it's a crazy trajectory so but echoes echoes as a song it's uh, is wild it's it's incredible but the first half to me is just very very inconsistent i i like one of these days but i don't love it it's a little too like weirdly edgy for me is the only way i can describe it like it just it doesn't it's like very aggressive but in a way that i don't like that much it's strange um and then Pillow of Winds and San Tropez and Seamus all to me kind of sound like songs that don't need to be there. <laughs> okay. And so, so like it really, even though, you know, half the album in Echoes is really great, the first half is so inconsistent. So I can't, I don't feel like I can give it that great of a, a rating, but I, I kind of want to just cause it's like, these guys actually sound like, again, they know what the hell they're doing for the first time in a while, but yeah. I think for me, it's got to be a seven out of 10, but man, if they had found a way to, I mean, look, I know they don't need to put out an album every year. If they had just combined 
mm-hmm. know, some effort from the last couple ones into this one. Like they could have put out yeah. a truly perfect album in this like two or three year span, but yeah. You know what? I'm glad that something clicked with echoes because obviously dark side of the moon's coming up. So, um, something changed. I don't know what, but it's nice. We're back to having good music. That is nice. at least somewhat. Um, here's so here's my thoughts on it. Um, I like the first four songs. I think they're some of the best they've done so far, which I know you think is crazy. Uh, except for Fearless. Um, yeah. they're just like good. They're songs, and I like that. Um, and then I would say Seamus doesn't need to be there. Echoes is one of the better long instrumental kind of songs they do. Yeah. Um, seven out of ten. Nice. Nice. I think the first time Whoa. we've maybe gotten Look the same score. I I really think it the, is. You can hear them. Like you said, they're playing together. They're playing as a band. And that, I think, is what it, their downfall has been to me um, yeah. in, in the – you know, last several albums. Yeah. Um, PJ, I don't have a rating for you for Adam Hartmother, and is that because you refused to give one, or did I just not write it down? I think you didn't write it down. Okay. Do you remember what it was, or should uh, I go back and listen to the episode? I'll just listen to the episode. Yeah, that's probably a good. No call. worries. Um, because I was just checking if we were had the same of anything so far, and we do not. So. Um, all right. Well, that has been metal a weirdly, like, that's one of the ones that I've heard the, I keep saying, like, oh, I've heard about him. I've heard about Adam Hartmother. Metal is the one that I've heard about the least. And it's like, definitely of this one of era, their, for yeah. sure. The best one. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. Maybe that's just a weird blind spot of mine. Like it's very possible that it's agreed upon to be the best one, you know, but from this era, but, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I wasn't expecting a lot from it. Uh, so, but we finally at least see the fucking bridge to Dark Side of the Moon because I don't yeah. think they've done anything that sounds like Dark Side for like three albums now. So, yeah. All right. Well, that has been metal. Yeah. Uh, and that has been another episode of the Pink Floyd Fellas. Yeah interesting i'm excited to get into i would say this is not quite the beginning of their great era i would say it's the end of their yeah i kind of agree with you the end of the wandering in the desert era yeah and i think um i mean i'm excited me too well uh see you on the dark side of the moon i'll see you on the other side of that rainbow sleepy time and i lie with my love by my side and she's breathing low and the candle dies when night comes down
a Beach Boys Boys production.